This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Well, how many are glad for 2015? Can you believe it's here? <laughs> it's come quickly, and they always do come quickly, but I, I am so glad that Prayer and fasting time is here because it's very, very uh, important that it came at this time or I was going to have to go buy all new clothes. <laughs> and that's not in the budget. So <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it's a great time. And as Pastor Sean had mentioned, the fasting contract, fill that out. And we will pray over those and I'll be praying, but I'll be bringing them to our corporate prayer like on Wednesday. And if it's a private thing you don't want shared, because I can't guarantee somebody might not see it, we'll lay hands on you know, fold it and put private on it. And uh, no one will uh, see that. And we're going to lift those prayer requests up to the Lord. I'm excited because this time of year, we always see miracles. We always see God do great things. God answers prayer. Talking with Keith Morello this morning, and uh, he'd gone to the doctor and a bad report. They thought he had colon cancer. They, two days later, he's having a colonoscopy, and, and uh, the doctor told him, it's a miracle. There's no cancer in your body. God answers prayers. He still does miracles. Aren't you glad he's still a miracle worker? Well, I'm going to jump in the Word here. Uh, last week, I, I said that we would talk about goals this week and uh, how to manage those. I did not tell the truth, so I'll re repent before you now. <laughs> Next week, we'll talk about that. But the Lord really led me to continue the way that I was going last week. And we started a series that wasn't going to be a series, but now I think it's becoming the series. Trusting Father. Trusting our Daddy God. Trusting Him. And I mentioned an article last week from U.S. Today that talked about that 43% of the Mid-South region think that God is authoritarian and He is waiting uh, to bring judgment. He is an angry God. He's angry at people. 43%. It was the most dominant belief. And Baylor University interpreted uh, this study. It was a 77 questions. It was a very in-depth study. But Baylor University also said you can mark the values and beliefs of a people better with this measurement than any other measurement And what is their view of God. How do they see God? And when I think about that most people think that God's angry, I see that we have some work to do. We have a job to do to tell them that God's not angry. He's full of grace. And yes, he's full of truth, but he's a good God. And we began to unfold that, and you can uh, look at that uh, from last week. Let me read to you Matthew 6, 8. It says, For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him in this manner. Therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And Jesus here is bringing a, a, a picture or a view of God that had not been seen in the earth. This view of God was uh, different than what the people of that time believed. They had been fine if Jesus said, pray to Almighty God, pray to Jehovah, pray to the Supreme God, something like that. But Jesus said, pray to Father, pray to our Father. And when you talk about Father, it means relationship. It, it, it talks in, in a term that is uh, talking about intimacy. It, it's talking about offspring. And we're the offspring of God. He is our Father, and He is good. Jesus said, when someone called Him good, He said, how do you call me good? There's only one that's good, and that's God. God is good. It's, he's a good father. And as good as we are as fathers, we don't compare to his goodness. He's perfect. He's good. He's always good. And we need to, people to get that message, we need to represent him well. And we need to understand it. We need to get it on the inside of us. But I talk about there's a threshold or a line that you have to cross. Everyone has to cross it. And this line is... If it's God's will, I choose to align my will to his will. Even if it hurts your flesh, I choose God's will over my will because Father knows best. He has my best interest at heart. He loves me. He's for me. He's not against me. He knows the purpose and plan that he created me to fulfill. So I trust him. And when you do that, grace comes. Because when I get my will in alignment with his will, grace flows through my life. And blessings are manifested in my life. But we saw also that our Father is, is God Almighty. There is a kingdom, and we need to do things his way for those blessings to flow through us. But once again, it's talking about our alignment, our will being in line with his will. So you cross intentionally. There's a point in every believer's life and says, you said it, that's my final answer. <laughs> I'm going to do what you say. You make a choice, you make a decision. And, and most of the time we think, well, I can't make that decision because I can't fulfill it. That's the reason Jesus came. You cannot fulfill the will of God on your own. You have to have Jesus' sacrifice, which released the grace of God his ability, his strength in us can cause us to be molded and shaped that we will fulfill the purpose and plan of God in our life. That's an awesome thing. Aren't you glad for grace? The grace of God. So we can choose his will. But it's easy for me to choose when I know how much he loves me. When I know how good he is, it's easy for me to choose his will. In fact, any place that you're not choosing his will is a place you haven't learned or understood how much he loves you and how much he is good. He is a good God. So in Luke 22:41, we talked about the prayer of consecration. This is where Jesus said, uh, if this cup can pass, you know, take it. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. The prayer of consecration, there's some things that... Uh, you just rend your heart and say, God, whatever you have for me in my life, I say, your will, not my will. 
your will be done in my life. Because he knows the way you were created. How many know it's better to operate the way you're created? When you try and be someone else, it doesn't work too well. But when you are you who God made you to be, and you, be, you can become the best you that you can be, things flow better. Things go better that way. But anyway, this prayer of consecration we talked about. So I want to talk today about submitting to Father really in this area of prayer. Submitting to our Father in this area of prayer. I'm going to talk about three reasons we don't pray and two reasons we should pray. And we're going to break this down and uh, take a look at it. Let me share a verse, John 14, 13. It says, And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. This is all new to the disciples when Jesus was speaking this to them. Most theologians all agree, and I, I agree, that this was the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples at the Last Supper, at at the end, right before he goes to the, the cross. This is the conversation at the Last Supper. And he's teaching them and explaining to them that from now on you're going to ask in my name, in the name of Jesus, and you will receive. This is totally just new to them. And, and when you look at it in John 13, that's where Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. We know that was in the upper room. Then you look at 14, 15, 16, and you see that Jesus is teaching them. In John 17, we have where he prays for them, and then there's the betrayal. He's in the, in the garden. Well, John 17, they actually believe that law that was in the garden. So this is what he's telling them, that it's a new day, and you will ask from now on in the name of Jesus. You will ask in his name what you desire. And we don't find this in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. It's just in, in John. And in John 15, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So you ask the Father in the name of Jesus. And then in John 16, verse 23 and in that day you, ask, you will ask me nothing, most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. We already heard this this morning. That your joy may be full. How many of you want their joy full? Maybe we need to be asking about some things. Maybe we need to be praying. And I don't believe that we, we stop praying consciously. I just believe we get busy and, and unconsciously we can stop praying about things. And maybe this decision or whatever and just start going out on without Him. We need, to, we need to make the right choices. But our first choice needs to be to pray. So three reasons we don't pray. Number one is complacency. Complacency. I believe we just get comfortable where we're at, we just get in our mode, we get in our pattern, and we just, we just don't pray. We get so comfortable, or we think that 
you know, God's will be done, or, or maybe someone else is praying, or maybe it doesn't affect us. Maybe, you notice that there's more of a pull when it affects you. I mean, there's more of a pull to, to pray. I believe there's, there's laws and decisions that have taken place that it's because we haven't prayed. We need to pray. Many believe when we had the hurricane Katrina, we were warned about it. Many believe that there was very little prayer that took place. But then they talked about Hurricane Rita that was coming later. But they, this time they said it was coming. It was going to hit the Houston area. And it was going to knock out gas. Our prices and the supply of gas was going to be so slim. And it's going to be so expensive. You know what happened then? Prayer. I, I don't... I'm not saying you can stop, uh, you know, everything, but there is a turning. I believe there is natural things. I'm not saying God did that. There's natural things, and there's an enemy. But we can turn, and we can make a difference. You know, that thing didn't do near the damage that they said. They were, I remember they were surprised. And said, so, well, you know, it's almost like the media had a letdown, you know. <laughs> we were here gearing up for this big thing. And, oh, huh? Is this all? What happened? People prayed. <laughs> Believers need to pray. We can't afford to be complacent. We need to pray. Another one is unbelief. And, and this might be hard to hear, but if we really believe that if we prayed for our business, it would change things, I wonder if we'd pray. Or if we really believe that prayer would change our marriage if we really believe that, I wonder, would we pray? Or if we really believe that prayer could change that rebellious child and bring changes, I wonder if we would pray. Unbelief. Do we really believe that God hears and answers prayer? Because if we really did, I think we'd be doing a lot of praying. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. We think that 10 minutes in prayer won't accomplish as much as 10 minutes on the internet. I'm telling you, if you got 5, 10 minutes, you can talk to God. And it makes a difference. Number three is discouragement. You prayed and maybe you believed for something and it didn't happen. And the enemy comes and says, say, it didn't make any difference. And we've all had those places. But see, the enemy is still in our prayer life. And we stop asking because we got hurt. But see, we need to continue to know the truth that God is good and that He is our Father and He is our life. He is our everything. So we move past the discouragement and continue in prayer. Continue seeking God and worshiping Him. Peace to come. And many times He will tell you. I know He's told me before what went wrong. And I tell you what it was most of the time. I, I've had some places where he, where he told me, He said, it's not your business. It's okay. Praying for somebody else and He said, it's not your business. It's okay. You know what? It's not my business. 
There's a reason I don't need to know. Thank you, Lord. Do you, how many know it's easier to pray for some people if you don't know? Because we'll get our mind and our emotions in the way. I'll say it again. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Okay. Let me talk about two reasons we should pray. Two reasons. And on the surface, they won't seem like reasons we should pray. But really, they are when you have understanding about it. Number one, the sovereignty of God. These two reasons are things that the, Satan uses to stop us from praying, but really they should be reasons that we do pray. The sovereignty of God. And we think we understand this word, but most of us, I think, really don't. Sovereignty means supremacy. It means supreme. When we say that God is the supreme ruler of the universe, that's what sovereignty means. We think that means God can do Anything he wants to do, anytime he wants to do it. God's going to do it, uh, his will, and it doesn't matter about anything else. But that's not the truth. It means supreme. It means supremacy. It means he's a supreme ruler. We think it means God will do what he wants to do no matter what. And I believe that's an incomplete application. I believe we need to have more understanding about that. So what's the enemy say? Well, it makes no difference if you pray. God's will is going to be done no matter what. So don't pray. Why pray? Well, first of all, he told us to pray. That's enough reason right there. But we need to understand what this word is talking about. In Matthew 6, verse 7, um, what we just read says, When you pray, do... Not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. And He says in this matter, pray, our Father in heaven. What's, he, what's the enemy say? There's no sense in the asking. God already knows what you need. But Jesus didn't say, well, don't communicate with God. Don't pray. He didn't say that. He just says, Father knows what you have need of before you ask. He didn't say, so don't ask him. Don't bug Father anymore. He already knows the need. He didn't say that. Why? Because God has to have our will. He has to have our will. And you see it all through when Jesus ministered to people. He'd say, what do you want? Why? Because he had to have their will expressed to him. God operates through people. The enemy works and operates through people. It's a choice. It's a, which will, which kingdom will you follow? So the sovereignty of God doesn't mean God will do whatever he wants to do no matter what. And we need to interpret the will of God. A, a definition for will is desire. It's desire. When you have a, a will and you get this thing uh, written up, what do you put in it? Your desires. When you go home to the Lord, I want, this is my desire, the, what is left, that's what I want it to go for. So it's desire. God's will is his desire. In 2 Peter 3, 8, 
What is God's desire? The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing, say not willing, that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God's will here is that none perish. But let me ask you, are all being saved? I thought it was God's will. It is God's will. But God's will doesn't mean that it's happening. Why? Because He created us like Him and we have a will. We have a choice to make. And He will use His will to exercise our right to choose. So not all being saved. The reason some people perish, they exercise their will not to accept Christ. But let me tell you what God's will always is. It's always good. It's always good. It's always for us. Jeremiah 29, 11. For another thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Good thoughts are always coming towards you from God the Father. He is a good God. Not thoughts of evil. He's not thinking bad about you. Not thinking bad about me. It's good thoughts towards us. It's blessings towards us. Good things. But God's will is for salvation to be received by each and every person. He made a way for us to receive it. But it's up to us. Let me say this. The good things that happen in our lives is when our will lines up with His will. That's when good things happen in your life. Let me say it another way. Good things will not happen in your life until you pray and release His will in the earth. Your breakthrough will not come until you pray and release His will in the earth. Because we represent Him in the earth. How many want the blessing of the Lord in your life? You got to release His will in this earth. Heaven is heaven because God is, God's will is always done there. His every desire is carried out in heaven. You can have some heaven on earth when you have His will carried out in your life. The blessing of the Lord. In Jeremiah 32 verse 8 through 12, I want to read this and it's going to sound like what in the world, but I'm going to tie this in. And you'll see where we're going here. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in court of prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said to me, Please buy my field that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew this was the word of the Lord. So I brought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle who was in Anathoth and weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver. And I signed a deed and sealed it and took witnesses and weighed the money on the scales. So I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom and that which was open. Now we see here that you have two rights. You see the rights of inheritance and the rights of redemption. You see two deeds, you see a sealed deed, and you see an open deed. And God set the system up. Now, what it, 
what probably happened here is Jeremiah's dad passed away. His uncle came and to help the family out, bought the land, probably from a Jeremiah's mom, and able to help them financially. When Jeremiah's uncle, when he dies, that land does not go to Hannah Mel, Jeremiah's cousin. It doesn't go to his uncle's son. So why? Because Jeremiah has the right of inheritance. That land goes back to Jeremiah. It goes back to the son of the original owner. So, Hanamel comes, and the Lord already told Jeremiah this was going to happen. He said, buy the field when this happens. So, you have the right of inheritance. So, it will go back to you, but here's the key. You also have the right of redemption. And the right of redemption gave you the right to purchase back that land before the uncle's death. See, ultimately it was going to come back to you, but you can exercise the right of redemption and purchase it back and have it now. So, let me talk about the deed. So then you had an open deed and a sealed deed. The sealed deed had the family name on it. The family name that owned the land, their name was on it, and it was sealed. And when whatever that land, uh, wherever it went, it would always go back to that family. When the, it was unsealed, that was the original owner. The open deed, the names could be changed. Such and such bought this land, it could, it, it could all be changed. Well, God put this into place, and I believe it was about, not about land, it was about the earth. God had given Adam dominion in this earth. And what did Adam do? He gave it away to Satan. Satan took what had been given to him, which was that open deed... The original owner was God. God has the sealed deed, the written deed to the earth. And Adam gave it to Satan. So there was a name change. That's the open deed. The sealed deed, and we find this in Revelations, where there was one who sits on the throne, God the Father, and he holds a sealed scroll and they're looking, is there anyone worthy to open up this sealed deed scroll? Is there anyone worthy? And Jeremiah, an elder, reaches over and touches Jeremiah. Uh, uh, wasn't Jeremiah. Who was it? Somebody help me. Touched John. Thank you, Lord. Touched John and said, don't weep. For the line of the tribe of Judah has prevailed and is worthy to open the sealed deed. <laughs> I love this. 
See, what happened is Jesus had the right of inheritance to the earth. It was eventually going to come back to him. But he said, no, no. I'm going to exercise my right of redemption and I'm going to buy it back now. Not because he wanted the earth, he wanted you. He wanted the people in the earth. So he bought it now where we could be his and we are in that family name. We're a part of the original owners of the earth. So what, what's going on now? We're in the time of the open deed and you have the open deed and you have the inheritance. And you can tap into the inheritance and fulfill the purpose and plan that God has for your life. But it only comes when you partner with Him. When you partner with Father. When you partner with Him. I didn't get nowhere close. Okay. Next week we will not have goals. Because I really, the, the caboose of this is better than what I've covered. <laughs> That's about where it is. <laughs> How many know that God's a good God? He's a good Father. He loves us so much. He wants you to have the best. He wants you to enjoy life. I, I'm, I'm so glad he didn't just save us and then, you know, we live, experience hell on earth. No, he wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to have the best of life. He wants you to have peace and joy. He wants you to experience the kingdom here on this earth. But first, you have to make God your Father. How do you do that? You receive Jesus Christ. The Lord of your life. Say, Lord, I give you my life. I surrender. I'm not going to run from you. I'm going to run to you. I realize your great love for me was expressed through the cross that Jesus died for my failures, for my sins, for even for my wrong thoughts, much less my actions. Your love, Father. All you have to do is mean this from your heart and pray a simple prayer. And when you pray this prayer from your heart, you'll belong to Him. Let's say it. Well, every head bowed. If you want in on this prayer, I want you to just lift your hand. Maybe you prayed it before, but you realize you're not connected and you need to be connected. And somebody is, needs to cross the line right now see that hand. You need to cross the line right now and you're saying, your will Father, not my will. I'm not going to do it my own way. That you lift your hand say, I'm crossing that threshold right now. Right now. Thank you Lord. Yes, yes. Thank you Lord. Thank you Jesus. Let's say this together. God, thank you for Jesus Christ. I receive you Lord as my Savior, as my Lord. I submit myself to you and your ways, your principles, your commandments, your word. I love you. Thank you for dying for me. I respond to your love. I respond to the cross.
and I say I receive you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'll be empowered to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. God is good. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.